You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Right Where You Are. This is Jason Wright. I am so glad that you're here. I could not be more excited that today's guest is our first of 2022. She was meant to be here. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. We first met, oh boy, our families attended the same congregation in Northern Virginia uh, years ago, uh, and we became a fast friend. Her career began with some, oh, very authentic and transparent post about some of her experiences as a wife and a mom. And since then, she's become something of a force. She's a writer, a speaker, and a connector, which I absolutely love that word to describe what you do and why it's important. She's been published in the Washington Post, the Deseret News, and loads of other publications. She's been read by millions of people around the world. In October 2020, she published her first book, I Like Me Anyway, Embracing Imperfection, Connection, and Christ. Uh, This has changed the perspectives of thousands of men and women around the world. And then most recently, October of 2021, she published her second book, 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens, which I wish I had had when I was a teen. And my mother, who's probably listening, also wishes that I had had (laughs) when I was a teen. Uh, But it has helped teenagers and will help teenagers, I think, for years to come uh, adopt fresh perspectives and doable strategies for living a more successful and connected life in a simple way. I love that our guest says that she comes from girly roots, but has morphed into an outdoor exploring dirt loving mom of four boys. They're ages nine to 18, and she could not be happier about the life she lives today. She's married to a wonderful man who I also know, Mike. Shout out to Mike. He is such a good, handsome dude. Love that guy. And he keeps her on her toes and loves her unconditionally, which is absolutely probably his greatest quality. She is a very popular speaker. And after today's discussion, you're going to understand why that is true. And this, I think, is my favorite part of the bio. And my regular listeners and followers on social media know why. She has a weakness for gummies, gummy candy, it says, which to me means anything under the gummy umbrella, which makes her one of my favorite people. She also likes sunshine, sports, family travel. And I like this. She loves meaningful connections with family, friends, strangers, and God is where she finds her purpose and joy. And I promise you that that will come out in today's discussion as well. Her name is Brooke Romney. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. It's been a lot of years, so it's fun to see your face and hear your voice again. It has it has been a lot, a lot of years. I always say that uh, we use... Zoom and um, don't post the video, of course. Um, but it's fun. It is fun to see your face. You you have not aged much since the when did we first meet? That had to be what like two thousand and. Yep. So it was two thousand and two, two thousand and one, two thousand two. So it's been a while. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Right. Well, kind of crazy. I look eighty-seven, and you look whatever age you were in two thousand and two. So we'll just not true. That it's because women color their hair, huh? Men just embrace <laughs> the gray. That's true. Yeah, I saw your Christmas card. It's sitting on my fridge, and I I saw that your handsome husband is is embracing the gray, and he looks uh, he more handsome than ever. Tell him I said that. I agree. I and you know what? I, I was thinking the last time I saw you and your family, I think was at a Chipotle. Is that right? In Arizona yeah. or a Cafe Rio or yeah. something? 
I think you're right. I think it was back in only the Chipotle days. So I think yeah, you're right. Arizona. That's right. Yeah, we were, yep. um, I was there for an event, I think at a Barnes and Noble and we met not far from the store and, yes. and caught up a little bit. And since then your, your career is just, it's on fire. And so I want to start, actually, I want to go back a little bit. Um, you yeah. are a very gifted wordsmith and I, I want to know, and I, my listeners are sort of used to starting here with these discussions. When is the first time in your life when you realized, and I, I don't mean in a look at me, I want to be a best-selling author or speaker one day, but just kind of privately, you read something that you wrote and you thought to yourself, wow, I might just know how to string a few words together and say something important to the world. When was that? That is a really great question. Um, I don't, I guess something interesting is I always wanted to be like more creative than I was. So I remember entering like contests, you know, when I was in elementary school and I was never the winner of those contests like that. It, it, I wasn't sure that it was my thing. Hmm. Um, but I remember in college, um, or maybe even probably in my AP English class, I was always a good writer. I was a thorough writer, but I think maybe the first time I thought that it was something that I really loved was when they asked us to think about things in a different way and write something that might change someone's mind. So I guess hmm. it allowed me to really think and develop an idea. And I think that's the first time I fell in love with writing is when I realized that I could use words to change a perspective or change the way someone thought about something they already thought they knew. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. I have a, I have a school um, assembly that I've done for many years called Words as Weapons. And it's all about helping kids understand that we're, most words can be used in two ways. And once they learn to use them to build something meaningful, to lift people up, you know, to create worlds that only they know, right? The way like a um, a Brandon Mole has or a J.K. Rowling or whatever, um, it, it changes your life, right? Once you understand that yeah. you that you have a gift, and and that gift, by the way, for those listening that maybe are aspiring writers, this is not something where you're only only those that are born with this incredible gift of storytelling become become writers. If you read any of the great books on writing, including like Stephen King's book uh, on writing. It's something that you can learn. I mean, is there some is there some creative gene that maybe comes with us from the other side? Absolutely. But I know a lot of people who would say that they started out as pretty messy writers, but through time learned some of the lessons that you and I have learned. And it's about creative muscle memory. And the more you write, the better you get. And and since since those days in elementary school, you have written a lot, haven't you? Yeah, I have written. I just I love everything that you said there, but I love that you talk about the effort and the practice that it takes. One of the best exercises I've ever done for becoming a better writer is publishing on Instagram. It gives me 2000 characters. And at first I saw it as a huge hindrance to my writing. I loved writing blog posts. I love writing newspaper articles. I didn't think there was any way that I could write anything meaningful on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I was just, I said things like, you know, see the full article, see the full article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I finally bio. embraced, yeah. you know, when I finally embraced taking those 2000 characters and making them mean 
something, like using every single one to mean something, I think that's when my writing got significantly better. And it was just doing it over and over and having that challenge of doing it in a shorter amount of space, but still, you know, letting people walk away with something that meant something to them. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I I went through very much the same sort of discovery process. And it was hard because as I was writing, you know, for a while, you and I were both writing pretty regularly for the Deseret News. And at least for me, I was usually submitting stuff that was in the like 650 to 900 word range. Right. You know, which for those listening is a, you know, is a couple of pages. And um, so when I started doing a little bit more, my audience tends to fall a little bit more on the Facebook side than yours, which I think is a little bit more on Instagram. I found that if I could tighten those up, I would take sometimes the same content. If I owned it at least and had the rights to repurpose, I would tighten it up a little bit. And the more I tightened it, the better it did. And it reminds me actually some of the best advice I ever got is if you're writing something, no matter whether it's for social media or a novel or nonfiction or blog or whatever, if you can pick up a paragraph out of whatever you've written or a sentence out of whatever you've written and you can't tell, like if that does not destroy everything that you're trying to build, then you didn't need it. And so you you go through those 2000 characters on Instagram and you look line by line and you say to yourself, "If if I pull this out, like, is it so connected, interconnected to all the words around it that it creates chaos? And if it doesn't, then, then ditch it. So tell me, I'm fascinated by your growth on Instagram because I remember when we first spoke and you were you were publishing, self-publishing your first book and maybe working with a publisher and maybe not and ultimately deciding to go your own way, which I know was a hugely right call for you. Um, I mean, talk about talk about a win for you at that the God's hand, God's hand sort of leading you down that direction. Um, what happened? What what was the post or the series of posts? where you went from a small loyal following of people like me to tens of thousands of people. For most people, there's a trigger that sort of hits. What were those posts? So I think um, there was some slow, steady growth, which I am a huge fan of because it keeps the people that really care about who you are and what you're saying um, with you on your page. You're not getting people that only came for one reason or might only kind of like you. They're they're the people that really matter um, and that will stick with you. So I'm a huge fan of slow, steady growth. Um, One of the things though, that really opened uh, my page up to others. And so there's a difference between someone enjoying a post and somebody being willing to share your post or tell someone about it or make it a topic of conversation. Um, The first thing that I did was I started a little thing called Team Talk Tuesday where I would take something uh, like a current event that was going on and I would show you how to make it a dinner table conversation and not in a way of like preaching to your kids or telling them what they should think, but as an opportunity to help them think and talk. And so that was something that people got really excited about. It was before the pandemic. Um, I was advocating for people to be involved in what was going on in our world and, and, and have their teams also getting involved. Um, And I did that because I found a lot of our conversations at our dinner table were really stale and everybody was just saying, fine, good. Yeah, nothing. And so I wanted to share that. Um, When I did that, I realized that people were really hungry for content for teenagers. And so I started putting a little bit more of that online. 
So pause. Um, when you then, say people were hungry for content for teenagers, you you mean mostly adults were hungry for content that they could share or introduce or talk about with their teenagers, not so much that it was teenagers finding and following you, right? Not that you don't have oh, some. Oh, yeah. But- well, yeah, very few teenagers, um, but mostly adults. There is a huge gap in social media where everyone was talking about toddlers and young kids. And then as soon as your kids hit 13 years old, the chatter stopped. Nobody wanted to talk about it. There were no cute pictures. There weren't all these magical moments. You couldn't make them stop and smile for the camera and they weren't going to do their hair anyway. And so it was kind of this space where everybody thought like they felt really alone. Like I'm a, I'm a mom to a teenager and I have no resources. I don't even know what other families are doing. I would love an idea because we're drowning over here, but no one will talk about what they're doing with teenagers or the good or the bad really. Um, and so I saw that there was like a, a space there and, and really started to, it's not exclusively what I talk about, but um, trying to give more teen content and I'm open to giving hard, good lessons learned in a really, in a way that's really not judgmental because we've had good, bad, and hard and wonderful all in the same family and with the same kids. And I just wanted people to know that they weren't alone. Interesting. Do your, do your kids follow you on Instagram? Um, only my, um, 18 year old is on Instagram. So he does now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So the other two are not on it, but, um, they're friends will call me Brooke Romney writes. So that's kind of funny. And <laughs> most of their friends have the teen tips book. So it's kind of like a funny joking thing. Um, but th- you know, I, I understand too, it's hard to post about real life and what's going on and also be respectful of your kids privacy and their lives. And so it was really helpful that I have three teenage boys. So when I was talking about teenagers, you never knew exactly which one I was talking about. And I tried to keep things general and helpful. And sometimes with a lot of space and distance, um, from whatever was going on. So very, very smart. Yeah. It's, it is, um, it's interesting. You learned in elementary school, we both learned in elementary school and I continued on up to write what you know. And if anyone has written what they know, it's a mom of three teenage boys, four teenage boys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so true. So I, I, um, it's interesting too, this idea that the, you know, the content for kids and, and for younger children we have been doing these family lip sync videos for years on uh, primarily on Facebook. That's kind of been our target um, platform there. And I mean, these go back to when the, the kids were pretty little and they're ridiculous. And they were so excited. Um, JD has sort of been the number one, um, my number one partner in the lip syncs through the years, but the boys would get involved and mom would get involved. And, you know, my little boys aren't little boys anymore. Uh, they're, you know, 18 and 14. And so when yeah. it's time to do, and now they've sort of, it's more like two a year because we try to do them when we have kids home from college or whatever. So we just did one a couple of weeks ago. People can, can look it up online. It's this funny little montage of five of the biggest songs of 2021. And my teenagers were like, wait, are we, we're still doing those? Like are we, <laughs> we're still doing lip sync. And, and uh, JD, um, who I know my audience is really familiar with. She's like, yeah, like this isn't optional. Like you'll do these until you die. That, that, that's how this is. I going. love it. And then when they got in the car and they participated, it was like, they loved it. And they, 
you know, they brought their A games and, uh, and it's fun. And then they get, you know, what the payoff for them is when they're in Walmart and someone stops them who they've never seen before in their lives and says, Oh my goodness, I loved your last lip sync video from last week. And, and that's kind of the payoff for them, but it is, it is an, an important point. And I hope people are listening to this. There comes a time with your kids where you've got to respect what they want. And I don't, that age is going to vary by family, but if you're still, if your kid is, I don't know what the magic age is for us, it was probably like, you know, 14, 15, 16. If you're still posting pictures of your kids, like candid without their permission, you might be doing it wrong. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's one thing when they're three and four and five and they've got pasta coming out of their nose and they're sitting in their high chair and whatever, that's, that's a different story, but but yeah, you, you've got to give them an opportunity. So we we certainly have done that in our home where we're very careful about um, e- even the videos and things that go up. Anytime we take a picture, even if it's a, you know, we're walking down a hiking trail on a Saturday afternoon, um, everyone gets a chance to look at the photo and say, yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with that. That's awesome. I love that you do that. Yeah, we don't do, I don't post a ton of just family, um, you know, pictures and events because I try to talk more generally um, but I did do a post about the game of football and I had a picture of my son and I did have to like, make sure that he liked it and that it was fine because his peers would be seeing it and his friend's moms would see it. And I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't something that would be offensive or, you know, yeah, ruin yeah. his life if that was out there for the world. So, yeah, very smart, very smart. So I, I love the, I love your willingness to be to be honest, um, we'll of course post in, uh, on the show notes links to all of the, the good things that you're doing and, and maybe even feature some of your early posts that, um, that sort of got the ball rolling for you and developed some of that creative confidence and, and helped your, you know, your audience to, to begin to blossom a little bit. And I, I love that it's not polished and it's sometimes sort of messy. I think that that's one of the reasons why you have found such an, an important voice online, but let me throw you a little bit of a curveball. What? Yeah. Let's forget what readers have learned from you or about okay. you. What have you learned from your readers, from feedback they've given you, um, from comments, from shares, from DMs, whatever? What, what has Brooke Romney learned about Brooke Romney from the people who read Brooke Romney? Oh, that's a great question. Um. I think one of my most favorite compliments that I have gotten from someone is that's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't have the words for it. And I think if I've learned anything, it's that I'm just like everyone else. Like we have so many moms are thinking the same thing, are struggling with the same thing. And it looks really different. Like the details of it all look really, really different, but we all have, I, you know, experiences that I thought were so personal or so individual, I'll post about. Um, and I get a flood of people like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for making me feel less alone. Um, and it's just been such a gift for me, for one, to feel like I'm not so alone, but then to help others feel the same way. And yeah, there are people of all different backgrounds with different ages of children with different socioeconomic statuses that live in different parts of the country and we're all feeling the same thing um i posted at the end of the year i posted about how not everybody 
has all these fantastic things to post about, right? It's like close to the end of the year, graduation, all these things. And you're seeing, you know, mission calls and you're seeing college scholarships. And, you know, I just wanted to let people know just a little reminder that it's okay if there's not a thousand pictures for you to post about how awesome everything is, is gone and that little wins are still wins. And I had a flood of people just say things like this has been a hard year. And, you know, because of COVID, my kid barely graduated. And because of COVID, my daughter doesn't think she can go to college this year and, and all these things. And I thought, how cool is it to be able to not feel so alone? Yeah. Oh, that's so beautifully said. And what I sense is that you recognize and you would want people to know that in no way, shape, form, or fashion, do you think that you're a better mom or wife or influencer or anything than anyone else? It's simply that you have found a way to connect with people and your way to connect is words, whether that's on a screen or on stage. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think I feel like I've been given the opportunity and I've been willing to take it to put a voice to the way we all feel. And not that I do it right, but that I do it wrong and I'm willing to step back and reflect, share about that, and then maybe share about some times that I've done it better or ways I wish I could do it better or ways I'm hoping to do it better or ways I've seen someone else do it better. Um, And I'm just really grateful to be in that position right now to be able to share through words ways that we can all like uplift each other, whether it's just letting each other know that we're not alone or maybe by sharing an idea that works or maybe by sharing somebody else's idea that works. So. Yeah, perfect. I've certainly found with my own content that the more willing I am to say, I got this wrong or you know, here's what I learned by, by not seeing this person or by prejudging this person. Or, um, I had, I had one recently, um, from an experience in Richmond where I saw this gentleman, uh, walking up to a locked lobby of a Taco Bell and I made some assumptions and it ended up being a really good experience for me. And we got, I got to know the guy and, you know, we, we spent a bit of time together and I gave him a ride and stuff. And so it ended well, but it, it ended well, after I did everything I could possibly do wrong, like how many ways can Jason screw this up in the first 90 seconds of this interaction? And as I was writing, and I, I mean, I wrote the thing in the car as I was writing it and you know, sharing the photo. <laughs> and I told the guy like, this is, you know, I want to, I want to share this if that's okay. And I told him, I, I apologized to him, like for kind of the way it unfolded. And um, that that attracted more interest and engagement and passion from people because it, because it didn't go well, at least initially. And I was willing to say, Hey, you know what? I, I mess up like a lot. Like that's my whole life is a series of screw ups and I'm just trying to learn every day to screw up one time less than I did yesterday. I read that post and I loved it and I learned a lot from it. And I think you're so right because very I think it's hard to share. It's it's easy to share when you do things well. It's harder to share the lessons learned from not doing something well. And I feel I did a lot of things wrong and I continue to do a lot of things wrong. And if I can help someone skip over the pain of doing something wrong with their kids or with their teenagers 
or even with their perspective on life so that they can have a little less, a few less dips than I had, then I feel like that's such a win. Um, People have done that for me. And I'm so grateful when I can learn from your experience of judging someone so that next time I see someone who is unkempt and Mm -hmm. isn't able to get into a Taco Bell, instead of judging them, I'm going to say, how can I help? instead. And I'm grateful for your experience for that. Well, I I appreciate that. And what people need to understand is that that you and I and others who write this way and communicate this way and try to teach this way, we're not we're not really doing it for you. We're doing it for ourselves. That certainly is true in my case. I'd love to help some people along the way, but when I even with my novels, all of my novels have really sort of attacked what I have felt like was a character flaw in myself. And I thought that if I researched and wrote and built a world and characters that were going through, again, it's fiction. So these aren't real experiences yeah. I've been through, but but the life lessons are things I need to learn myself. And by writing about them, um, the more I write about them, even in a fictional sense, the more I tend to learn. So, so about writing, we have to talk about um, the most recent book, which I said I bought for my teenagers for Christmas. Um, talk awesome. about the manners book and tell it well, tell us where people can find it. And the most of the 52, the most important one. You know what? I, that's the perfect segue because one of my biggest fears of writing this 52 Modern Manners for today's teens was that people would think that my teens would have all these figured out, like that I was such a great mom and such a great teacher. Wait, they don't? They, if they, they don't? Yeah, like if they met my Brooke, kids, they'd have this is why down. I had you on the show. I had you on the show because <laughs> I thought they did have it all figured out. All right, that's a wrap. That's it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Right? And I'm like, no, actually, I wrote all these because I observed all the things in my children <laughs> that they didn't do. And and we're just like everyone else, like, we're just working on them. We're just working yeah. on them. And I, I wrote this book more than anything for my family, because I wanted to be able to successfully teach these to my kids. And then I thought that it was probably something other people might be interested in, too. So it's 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens. There's a short manner on one side and then a little more in-depth explanation on the other side. These are all things I think most parents imagine their kids get. And the more you observe your children, you realize like these things need to be explicitly taught to my kids. So Hmm. that's, that's why I wrote it. That's why it's there. Um, Our family has been using it since it came out at the end of October. Um, I feel like it's been effective and helpful for my family and especially for me as a parent to make sure that there's a lot of things we want to do as parents and then we get all excited about them and they sort of fizzle. And I wanted something that would like keep me on task and make it really simple for me to continue to teach my kids the things that are most important. My yeah. oldest left for college this year and there's a really interesting, I'm sure you went through that, like, oh my word, what did I not teach you? <laughs> yeah. and, or what and did so I teach? Did came, I teach you anything at all? Right, right. A little bit of both. So People can get it um, a variety of places um, on Amazon, uh, Deseret Book. And if you're in Utah, Idaho, or Arizona, you can get them at your co- at local Costco's. So. And, and I happen to know that the book is selling like crazy, like crazy hotcakes crazy. And uh, so it, hopefully people don't, don't have a supply issue, but, but if they do, are more coming? Is there someplace yeah. they're guaranteed to find it today? 
Yeah, today um, I, I checked on Amazon and it ships within one to two days. So we should be all good there and we'll continue awesome. to print them as we need them, as long as our supply chain cooperates with us, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have we have heard that everywhere you go today, including yeah. the Taco Bell, by the way, where I bought the guys dinner. <laughs> There's a sign on the door about uh, the supply chain that the the struggle is real. Well, I, I want to ask you our our final two questions. Our first guest of 2022 gets the same questions that all of our guests in 2021 got, and. Um, as I, I did a little year-end evaluation of the podcast and I went through a bunch of the episode and, and re-listened actually to, to these final two answers. And I was trying to ask myself, should I continue with this? Should I change the question? Should I eliminate a question? And more and more as I went through 39 episodes of the show, I just found there is so much inspiration and learning that comes out of the answers that you're about to give to these two questions and I didn't know that would be true. They were they were not something I expected with episode number one with my wife last spring that we would still be doing um, all of these uh, all of these months later. But here we are. So tell me Brooke Romney, the name of the podcast is right where you are, W-R-I-G-H-T. Tell me what those four words mean to you. Well right now those four words mean um, taking the time to be present right where you are and be able to take it in, be grateful, feel connected, not be distracted. Um, my goal, it's not really a goal. My affirmation for 2022 is um, I am the master of my time. And for me, that means that I am in charge of what I do with my time. And I'm taking steps to make sure that I protect it when it's most important. But one of the things that's most important to me is that I am present right where I am. And that is something that I'm really working on. Um, I've had a lot going the last couple of years and I've allowed time to be an excuse to be distracted and feel like I'm too important to always be present where I am. Um, whether that's watching me with my family, um, whether it's volunteering, it's like I'm doing things, but I'm not all the way there. And so I want to be more present right where I am this year. Mm, mm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, if that were your only goal, your only resolution for the new year and mine and everyone who's listening, hard to imagine that you wouldn't have the best year of your life. If that were the the sole focus of sort of self-improvement as it were. I love that. Okay. Years from now, many, many moons down the road, you have sold 11,742,969 additional <laughs> copies of of your next 100 titles. Um, and this is a memory for most people, right? We hope everyone will remember every lovely word that we have said to one another today, but odds are they're going to forget a few things. Well, right. Brooke, you get to choose one thing, one thing that you want people to remember about you and your journey. Just one thing. What would that one thing be? Well, you know, I'm wordy, so it's going to be a little longer than one word, but <laughs> one thing that I hope people remember about me is I hoped I helped them love themselves, love others, and love God more and find joy in living an imperfect but effort-filled connected life. I think there is so much joy to be found in embracing imperfection, but also in growth. And when we can do both of those things, I think it creates the most joy our life can have. 
especially when we do it connected to others and our savior. Amen. Do we just say amen? That was, that was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Oh, that was perfect. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're keeping the two question tradition alive at the end of the episode, Brooke, that was lovely. All right, folks, we are, we are at the end. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a little giveaway. Here is the scoop. I have bought a copy of the book from my lovely friend, Brooke, and she is going to sign it. And I am going to ship the book to one winner. Here's how you enter. Just share this episode on social media. It doesn't matter where you can share the soundbite that will appear on Instagram. Um, you can share it on Facebook. I don't even care if you pick 10 friends and you text it to them or email it to them, whatever you want to do. If you will share the episode and then message me on your favorite social media platform or through my website and tell me that it has been shared. We'll take all of those entries and we'll put them in a little pile and we'll pick a winner. And before the next episode drops next week, we will select someone and send them a signed copy. As we say goodbye, please rate, review the show, Audible, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It helps our little family grow. And for that, uh, I am always grateful. Thank you, Brooke. You are absolutely the best. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at jasonfright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Right Media Productions. Copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.